Welcome to Barah Ministries and Intimate Local Christian Church with a worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Thanks for listening to this Bible lesson. Who is Jesus Christ? For most people, the only time they think of Jesus Christ is when they stub their toes or spill hot coffee on themselves or when their sports teams are doing something stupid and they, they proclaim, Jesus Christ! But they don't know the person. At Barah Ministries, we know the truth. Jesus Christ is God. And he proclaimed his deity in John chapter 10, verse 30. He said this, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God the Father are one. We are the exact same in essence, and we are the exact same in nature. So he's either telling the truth or he's lying. Each person whom the Lord creates has to judge Jesus' veracity for himself. You have the free will to decide for yourself whom you want to save you, the Lord or yourself. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He is the God-Man, 100% God and 100% man united in one person. He is the sovereign God of the universe. He is the Jewish Messiah. He is the Savior of the whole world. In the spiritual realm, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And the key person to know is the Christ, Jesus. Do you have a relationship with him? Do you know him? At Barat Ministries, you get the opportunity to learn the Word of God verse by verse from God's perspective, not from man's perspective. We are Christians with a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, it says, Keep on being diligent to show yourselves approved by God the Father as workmen who need not be ashamed, accurately handling the Word of truth. If you're a believer in Christ, you need to study the Word of God with a pastor who is teaching the truth. And when you do, always compare what the pastor is teaching with what the Word of God has to say, especially here at Barah Ministries. This is one of your responsibilities as a Christian. God's enemy is Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world for a finite period of time. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, The Lord says of Satan, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan only wants a part of us, our will. He deceives us, he causes us to suffer, and he convinces us to let him influence our will. And that's when his insidious method of deception and destruction is most powerful against us. His influence 
perverts our spiritual lives, and ruins everything that's precious to us. Hear this. We permit him to destroy us. I don't believe you heard me, so I'm going to repeat it. We permit him to destroy us. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, the Lord gives us the remedy against Satan, love. It says this, and you shall love the Lord your God unconditionally, with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. All is not some. Don't give the devil a single opportunity. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Today's Bible lesson, are you like the Galatians? Playing the fool? The stories told by false teachers are appealing to us, really intriguing, when we don't expose ourselves regularly to the truth. Take the news, for example. When we don't think about the truth of our own reality, we will believe the propagandized view of the world the news portrays, which contends that our neighbors are all going to die that our kids are going to be run over by cars, that our finances are doomed, that our education system is corrupt, which it is, by the way, and that our life is not safe, among other things. Things happen, but is what you see on the news your reality? Satan, his world system of thought and the flesh inside of us, are fear mongers who seek to rob us both of freedom and serenity. Their lies suck all the joy out of our lives if we let them. In today's lesson, we continue our study of Paul's letter to the Galatians in chapter 3 to hear the next message he is sending to the churches he established in modern-day Turkey. It's a letter to a group of believers in Christ who are being duped by false teachers. And today, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. When you are saved, the question is, can you lose your salvation? We'll see what God has to say about the matter. Well, let's hear some music. Christianity is not toe-in-the-water experience. As Matthew West says, Christianity requires us to be all in. My feet are frozen on this middle ground Water's warm here, but the fire's gone out. Played it safe for so long, the passion left turns out. Safe is just another word for regret. So I step to the edge and I take a deep breath.
Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, it's so easy to be fooled by smooth talkers with their slick stories. Thank you for giving us the discernment to see through the lies. Thank you for providing us with the only way to salvation, a relationship with your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us a guide, God the Holy Spirit, to mentor us, to teach us, to direct us with his voice down the narrow path that leads to absolute knowledge and total serenity in the resurrection life. As you continue to teach us about false teachers and false teaching, help us to discard them from our lives. Give us the spiritual eyes to see through their deception so we can live the life of freedom you intended for us. We ask this through the power of God the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, Are You Like the Galatians? Playing the Fool. Well, you've probably heard of Cuba Gooding Jr., who won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor with his portrayal of Rod Tidwell, the Arizona Cardinal football player, in the movie Jerry Maguire. But you may not know that his father, Cuba Gooding Sr., was the lead singer in one of the most popular and beloved R&B groups of the 70s, a group called The Main Ingredient. And one of their hits was the song, Everybody Plays the Fool. And here are some of the lyrics. Hit it, Denny. That is so true. Everybody plays the fool. So it is with the Galatian believers in Christ. We continue our study of Paul's letter to the churches in the Galatian region in chapter 3. And we introduced this passage last week. And now we're going to see what Paul has to say to these folks in the next phase of his letter. Here's Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. It says, you foolish Galatians. Everybody plays the fool. Who has bewitched you, which means who put you under a spell? Before whose eyes was Jesus Christ publicly portrayed as crucified? 
Galatians 3.2. This is the only thing I, Paul, want to find out from you. Did you receive God the Holy Spirit by the works of the Mosaic Law or through hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Everybody plays the fool. Having begun your salvation by the baptism of God the Holy Spirit, are you now being perfected by your flesh? Please. Galatians 3, 4. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Galatians 3, 5. So then, does God the Father who provides you with God the Holy Spirit and who works miracles among you do it by the works of the Mosaic Law or by hearing with faith? Galatians 3, 6. Even so, Abraham believed in the Lord and it was reckoned to him, it was credited to his account as righteousness. Galatians 3, 7. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Galatians 3, 8. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. And the word nations means Gentiles. Galatians 3, 9. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Galatians 3.10 For those who are of the works of the Mosaic Law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. If you don't, if you don't live the whole law, if you break one part of the law, you've broken the whole law. Galatians 3.11 no one is justified by the Mosaic law, and that is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith in Christ alone, Galatians 3.12. However, the Mosaic law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices the law shall live by the law. If you're going to put your faith in the law, you've got to live by the whole law, Galatians 3.13. But Christ redeemed us from the curse of the Mosaic law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Galatians 3.14 Christ did this so that in union with Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of God the Holy Spirit through faith. Everybody plays the fool. And these Galatian believers were no exception to the rule. As we learned last week, 21st century believers are allowing themselves to be duped by false teachers and false teaching. So let's study the passage, starting at Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes was Jesus Christ publicly portrayed as crucified? Paul is asking, didn't I accurately teach you about Jesus Christ? And now... You're allowing liars to teach you differently? Now, Paul could have used two Greek words for fool, both of which are insults. He could have used raka, which means you empty-headed idiot. He could have used moros, which means moron. We get the, the term sophomore from this. A sophomore is sophos, wise, and moros, a fool. So a sophomore is a wise fool, and that's an insult. But instead, Paul was directed by God the Holy Spirit to use the Greek word anotoi, anotoi, which is a correction draped in unconditional love. 
It's a word that refers to a person who can think but is not using it. Someone who is irrational, acting without thinking, acting without wisdom. And that's exactly what the Galatian believers were doing. The question they fail to ask is, does a different gospel save us? The Judaizers, false teachers, introduced a new and improved, more better gospel than Paul offered. Uh, More better is a hood term. Of course, the gospel is not created by man, but the gospel is given by direct revelation from God. And this is the true gospel that saves. Next, Paul asks a series of six rhetorical questions. Galatians chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. He says this. Oh, wait. Here we go. Okay, so this is the only thing I, Paul, want to find out from you, Galatian believers. Did you receive God the Holy Spirit by the works of the Mosaic Law or by hearing with faith? Galatians 3.3. Are you so foolish? Having begun your salvation by the baptism of God the Holy Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Galatians 3.4. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Galatians 3, 5. So then, does God the Father, who provides you with God the Holy Spirit, and he who works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the Mosaic Law, or by hearing with faith? So here are the six rhetorical questions. Who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Having begun by God the Holy Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Oh, did I miss all the questions? Oh. Okay, so here, here are the questions, and it's not in the slides. So, let me back up. Oh, all right, so the first question is, who has bewitched you? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. The second question is, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? The third question, are you so foolish? The fourth question, having begun by God the Holy Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Next question, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And uh, sixth question, Does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So I had the slashes a little bit off in that, right? But being foolish in this case means being sucked in by false teachers. And Paul describes false teachers in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 to 15. He says, such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians eleven fifteen. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to what their wicked deeds deserve. In one of his pastoral epistles, Paul warns his pro- protege, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16, he says, Timothy, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, and that's true teaching. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation, both for yourself 
and for those who hear you. Christ is totally sufficient to save us. Christianity is totally sufficient to give us a spiritual life. An all-sufficient God with an all-sufficient plan doesn't need human help in any way. And that's the hardest thing for us to get our heads wrapped around, that we don't have to help God, that we can just relax in His grace, we can relax in His mercy, knowing that He will do it. But Satan, with his world system of thought and his internal deceptive agent, the flesh, has other plans for us. He tells us lies. You know, and since we're on a music theme, what would Fleetwood Mac say? Tell me lies, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Well, he does that. He tells us sweet little lies. But we are saved by God. Satan wants us to believe that for salvation we're on our own. And after salvation, we have to keep on perfecting ourselves during sanctification. And we believe him, yet he is a liar. What Satan wants us to do, what Satan wants to do is shipwreck our faith. First Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 say this. This command I, Paul, entrust to you, Timothy, my son, by the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. First Timothy 1:19, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck regarding their faith. Look, you don't lose your faith. You, can't, you, the, you, you didn't do anything to get it in the first place. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He gives you faith. You can't lose your faith, but you can shipwreck your faith. Why? Because you place your faith in something other than God. You know, if you have physical maladies and you're worried, you're not placing your faith in God, the God who is faithful, the God who promises, the God who holds you in the right hand of his righteousness, if you think all of a sudden when you have a physical malady that you have to start trusting yourself, you're nuts. So the simple question is this. Are we saved because we are good or are we saved because we believe in Christ? And you know what I want to say. Please. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 to 9, Paul illustrates. Here's what he says. He says, even so, Abraham believed in the Lord, Jehovah Elohim, God the Son, and it was reckoned to him, it was credited to his account as righteousness. Galatians 3, 7. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Faith what? Faith in Christ alone. Galatians 3, 8. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, Preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. Galatians 3.9 So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Okay, here's the thing. All right, let's go back to Abraham when this was being told to him. Was, did he have the Mosaic law? No. That was to come when Moses got here. Did, was he circumcised? No. That would come later. He was a Muslim who was worshiping the moon god for about 70 years of his life. He was a total goof. Then he believed in the Lord and was credited to his account as righteousness. And then he became the ideal believer for all time, right? No. Then he was promised a son by God, 
And instead of waiting for the deliverance of the promise of the Lord, he goes and has sex with his wife's maid and gives her a baby, Ishmael. And the whole line from Ishmael are the people who hate the Jews. So he kept being stupid after salvation. This is the thing that believers in Christ can't accept, that you were stupid before salvation, you're stupid after salvation, and you're going to keep being stupid until you're absent from the body and face-to-face with the Lord. And if you read Romans chapter 6, that is not a license to sin. It's a license to serve. Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. But get this. Get off your back. Stop believing the Judaizers who say, you got to do something or God's going to be disappointed in you. They are lying to you. And I'm telling you, there isn't a single believer in Christ I know, even some of the most spiritual believers in Christ that I know, who, who get this. We don't get it. We keep listening to the flesh, and the flesh is telling you, you're not saved. God doesn't love you. God is thinking this about you. God is disappointed with you. And we want to believe that crap. Well, what's the truth? Faith in Christ. Believe. That provides salvation, not our works. Does a different gospel save you? Is the one that the Judaizers are offering, is that the one that saves you? Hardly. If you keep the rituals and you keep the holy days and you get circumcised and you blah, 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 does that work? Hardly. Does a different sanctification free you? Hardly. As believers in Christ, we know these things intellectually. We know this intellectually. But do we live it? No, we don't. Abraham was justified by faith. If you want to be saved, imitate Abraham. Believe in Christ by faith. All we do is we believe a promise of God and we're saved. It's that simple. Now, Paul finished up this section of the letter with three really good reasons why it's foolish to add anything to the perfect gospel of God. Everybody plays the fool sometime. Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 to 14 say this, For those who are of the works of the Mosaic law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who doesn't abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Galatians 3.11 That no one is justified by the Mosaic law before God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith in Christ alone. Galatians 3.12 However, the Mosaic law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices this law shall live by the law. Galatians 3.13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the Mosaic law. He purchased us from the law, out of slavery to the law having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Galatians 3.14 Christ did this so that in union with Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. What is that? Believe and you will be saved. So that we would receive the promise of God the Holy Spirit through faith. Reason one. If you rely on the law for salvation, you're under a curse. Reason two, 
No one is justified by the works of the law. The righteous man shall live by faith in Christ alone. If you want righteousness, it comes as a free gift from faith in Christ alone. Reason three, someone did our redemption for us by becoming a curse for us. Now, shall we reject the free gift? Abraham didn't. So Christians have an easy choice. Christianity is not performance-based. I don't believe you had me. So let me repeat it. Christianity is not performance-based. It's grace-based. You receive. You don't do, do, do. Can you simply accept what a gracious God has done for you, both for salvation and sanctification? No. Well, Titus sums it up real well. In Titus 3.5, he said, The Lord Jesus Christ saved us, believers in Christ, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in self-righteousness, but according to his mercy, not giving us the wrath of God the sin deserves, by the washing of regeneration, and through renewing by God the Holy Spirit. Can you accept that? No. You want to help. Stop helping. So the moral of the story is relaxed. Be filled with joy. Let God's work on your behalf manifest in you. Enjoy your freedom. When we return from the break, we'll take the offering, and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. Will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody trying to tell. And David brought a rock to a sword fight You picked 12 outsiders Nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil Start talking to me Saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm just a nobody For the world to see Nobody but Jesus 
Welcome back to today's Bible lesson. Are you like the Galatians, playing the fool? Falling in love is such an easy thing to do. And there's no guarantee that the one you love is going to love you. Oh, loving eyes they cannot see. A certain person could never be. Love runs deeper than any ocean. It clouds your mind with emotion. That's what happened to the Galatians. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Elvis has left the building. See, that's it. Their mind was clouded with emotion. Well, God is always encouraging generosity. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says this, The generous person will be prosperous, and he who waters himself will be watered. Be generous. Those you help with your contributions receive the gospel message implanted. And as the seeds of the gospel are watered by God the Holy Spirit, new believers gain confidence. Knowing that they are saved, they gain the strength to withstand spiritual turmoil. Let's pray especially for our Christian brothers and sisters in the persecuted churches around the world. May your generosity reach them with the tools they need to withstand the world through their relationship with Christ. 
Well, let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always inspiring offering messages. Check, check. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm blessed to be a deacon for Barah Ministries because we're a light in a dark world. Amen. We're a source of truth in a world of lies. Amen. And I was thinking about that because light is really a key thing in our lives. And we see in the Bible, John chapter 1, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Amen. doesn't understand it. It also can't beat the light. The darkness cannot beat the light. If you think about it, Barah Ministries is a candle in a dark room. We're a lighthouse on a dark and stormy night to a sailor. Or we're the sun on a new day as the sun comes up. And so I'm proud of that here. And much like in the early church, there's very few that financially support this church or the early churches. And I'm thankful for those that do, that sacrifice those large amounts of money to keep this place afloat and to do their best here and sacrifice without a good pat on the back and always having to wait till the end, you know, to have the, the surprise from God that shows us that he really appreciates our work. Sometimes it feels lost on him. But I know in this world that Barah is a light and those that give to this ministry are a light. And you think about it, a light from a lighthouse gives hope. They see that light and they say, hey, there's a chance. There's something out there. And it gives them focus. It gives them a chance, something to focus on, somewhere to go. And that hope and that focus gives them confidence. They know that there's something out there. There's a sanctuary out there. And that's Barah Ministries. We're a sanctuary and we're a place that <clears throat> has sacrificed a lot, I feel like. Especially our pastor. Gone through a lot. Unimaginable things that people don't believe. It's always his fault. Well, it's the world's fault. <laughs> And we know that. And so always thank you for being a light and thank you for supporting this pastor and this ministry. Hit it, Denise. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. Thank you, De Deacon Denny. Your messages always get right to the heart of it. You know, there are a lot of people who are part of Barah Ministries today, and the thing I admire most about all of you is that we survived systematic theology. And we came out of that crap, and we came into grace. And I look forward to where we're headed as a ministry and the great things that the Lord will be doing through us in the future. 
Today's Lord's Supper celebration at the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ made you secure for all eternity. The Lord Jesus Christ made you secure for all eternity. Well, welcome to the Lord's Supper celebration, the most intimate expression of our deep, intimate, and loving personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In this celebration, the Lord reminds us of the unity all believers in Christ possess, and he shares his body and his blood with us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, the Apostle Paul says, On behalf of the Lord, as often as you eat this bread, representing his body, and as often as you drink this cup, representing his blood, as part of the Lord's Supper celebration, you proclaim as a reality and you announce the significance of the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead until he comes again at the second coming. Every month we celebrate the Lord's Supper to remember. We remember that we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, dependent on him for our so great salvation. We remember that we believers in Christ are in union with Christ and can't get out of our union with him. We remember that the Lord loves us unconditionally. We remember that we are forgiven for every sin we ever commit, past, present, and future. And we remember that we have the Lord's grace to help us in times of trouble. I was in Starbucks this morning talking to a guy who has been in ministry before. And I asked him how to get to heaven, and he stuttered. And I asked him, uh, I told him, and then he said, okay, so if I believe in Christ, that's it. And I can now turn around and worship Satan, and I'm still saved. I said, correct, because at the moment of salvation, the Lord places you into union with him by the baptism of the Spirit. It's not the water baptism. You know, I was baptized in the Jordan, but it didn't mean squat. But what God the Holy Spirit did means everything. And so we had a really good, quick conversation about that. And it was amazing to me that these are things that weren't at the top of his mind and weren't coming off his lips, even though he was exposed to big churches and ministries. And that's true for so many people. This simple, simple thing, faith alone and Christ alone, that's what happened at the cross. That cross, Jesus on that cross, provided the provision for us to be able to be saved once and for all time. Now, we look back to the cross to remember how he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. We look back to the cross to remember the sacrifice his shedding, shed blood did to cover our sins. We look back to remember the deliverance of the resurrection life he orchestrated, bringing us into his kingdom of light, as Denny said. In addition, we look forward in anticipation that the Lord is coming again. Well, what did the Lord do for us at the cross? Well, one of the most precious things the Lord Jesus Christ did at the cross is to make us eternally secure. Now, you may wonder, if you're a regular part of Barah Ministries, why I would even bother teaching this, because it's so obvious. I'll tell you why. Because I know very spiritual believers in Christ who are always questioning their salvation. That's why. And you know what? It's not them that's questioning their salvation. It's the flesh talking to them and questioning their salvation. And I always tell my friends, I don't listen to dead people and I don't talk to dead people. The flesh is dead. They they can say anything they want. I'm not listening. But believers in Christ listen to this, and especially when they're not exposed to the truth all the time, so they feel 
insecure instead of secure. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a moment in time when God the Holy Spirit's convicting ministry made you aware that you were a sinner and that you needed a Savior. You turned your eyes skyward with all the sincerity a spiritually dead person can muster, and you asked God to save you. And he did. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved by God. Passive voice. The, the subject receives the action of the verb. You'll be saved by God. You and everyone in your household who also believes. Now that you're saved, when you close your eyes in this life, you're going to heaven. Wait, are you really? Is it that simple? As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, how secure is your relationship with God? How secure is your salvation? What is security? Security is an assurance, a guarantee that something is safe. It's an assurance that something's actually going to happen. Well, conversely, what is insecurity? Insecurity is a a thought process subject to fears, doubts, confusion, uneasiness, and uncertainty. Well, at the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ guaranteed a believer in Christ's eternal security. Well, what is eternal security? The biblical truth is that once a person places confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, and once this person is placed into union with Christ through the baptism of God the Holy Spirit, this person can never do anything to lose that salvation because God guarantees he will protect the salvation he provided. God guarantees he will protect the salvation he provided. John chapter 10, verse 28, and I, the Lord Jesus Christ, the sovereign God of the universe, give eternal life to believers in Christ, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. Our God is not a God of fears, doubts, confusion, uneasiness, and uncertainty. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, God is not a God of confusion. Who introduces doubt into our thoughts? Satan, the enemy of God, is the sponsor of fears, doubts, confusion, uneasiness, and uncertainty. He sponsors false teachers who say there is no eternal security, and they want to rob you of your freedom and of God's peace. These false teachers contend that God is conditional. Here's an example. Why Eternal Security is Not a Biblical Doctrine by Philip A. Matthews. The promises of God are all conditional. That is, God's promised benefits are given to people as they meet the conditions stated or implied within that promise. In other words, God's promises have strings attached. (laughs) What a lie. God does not make blanket promises that apply to everybody in every place, every time. A lie His promises are for specific people who meet specific conditions and qualifications for the specific benefits promised. This is why believers in Christ get confused, because they believe this crap. This guy is a liar. This guy is a fool. This guy has no idea what he's talking about. And we listen to it, and we say, you never know. You never know. Yes, we do. The Bible says exactly the opposite. This is a person who hasn't got the slightest idea who God is if he thinks God is conditional, because God is unconditional. It's a classic example of a person who's looking at God 
from human viewpoint because his description of humans is perfect. If you say that humans are conditional, they are. God is not like us. He is unconditional, immutable, which means he never changes, and always faithful. There is not enough room here to prove all the different ways that God is those three things. But a sample of what the Bible has to say about your eternal security is to give you comfort that you are saved once and for all time. The, the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ's exact thinking, is our guide to learn about eternal security. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12 say this, And the testimony is this, that God the Father has given us believers in Christ eternal life, the resurrection life, zoe, and this life is secure in union with his Son. 1 John chapter, 12, chapter 5, verse 12. He who has a relationship with God the Son, he who is in union with God the Son, and that's all believers in Christ, has the resurrection life, eternal life. So what is eternal life? It's a life with no beginning and no ending. That's not what we had at birth. We had a life with a beginning and no ending. Just a beginning and no ending. Now we have a life because we share the life of Christ. We have a life with no beginning and no ending. It's you as believers in Christ sharing in the life of God because you're in union with Christ. It's a promise that you will receive a resurrection body in the future and this current body that you have is going to be cast off, thank God. Now, does your eternal security count on you or does it count on the God who is faithful to preserve your security? James chapter 1, verse 17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from God the Father of the heavenly lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God does not change. Once God does a thing, it is done. Well, what is God's plan for your eternal security? Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30 for those whom God the Father foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that the Lord would be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8.30, And these whom God the Father predestined, he also called. He called them to salvation. And these whom God the Father called to salvation, he also justified. Faith alone and Christ alone, is a, there is a legal de declaration that you are saved once and for all time, sealed by the sealing ministry of God the Holy Spirit. And these whom God the Father justified, he also glorified, that will happen at a future time. Foreknown, predestined, conformed, called, justified, glorified. God doesn't just want us to be secure, he wants us to feel secure as well. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, I, Paul, am confident of this very thing, that he who began a divine good work in the creation of you will keep on perfecting it until the day of Christ Jesus. Christ would never dream of letting his children go. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, the Holy Spirit himself testifies with our human spirit that we are children of God. We are the born-again ones. He would never let us go. God protects us from losing our way. Jude chapter 1 verse 24 says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and who's able to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy. 
God sticks with us even when we turn our backs on him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 13 say this. It's a trustworthy statement. For if we believers in Christ died with Jesus at the cross, and we did, we will also live with him in heaven. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. If we endure, and of course we will. That's a first-class condition, if. It's not a if, maybe we will, we won't. It's we will we will also reign with him in the millennium. If we disown him, as unbelievers do, and of course it happens, he will also disown us. It's not a good idea to be an unbeliever. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we believers in Christ are faithless, and we are sometimes, he remains faithful because he can't deny himself. Because we're in union with him, married to him, in union with him, God the Holy Spirit works with flawed people and he will never let us go. That's so comforting when you really set it, let it sink in. John chapter 6, verses 35 to 40. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life and he who comes to me will not hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. John six thirty six. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you don't believe. John 6, 37. All that God the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of God the Father who sent me. John chapter 3, verse 39. And this is the will of God the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I lose nothing. Let me repeat that because I don't believe you heard me, that of all God the Father has given me, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, lose nothing. Instead, I raise it up on the last day. John six forty. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, the resurrection life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24 say this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, just like he saved you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly what's going to happen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, Faithful is he who calls you to salvation, and he will also bring your salvation to pass. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. The Lord, who will also conform you to the end, your salvation is secure, confirming you as blameless, free from condemnation and accusation, in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God the Father is faithful, even when we are faithless. The Father, through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is this enough verses for you? Because this isn't the, the mind of Rory, it's the mind of Christ. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 40 says this, I will make an everlasting covenant with them, the Jews, that I will not turn away from them, the Jews, to do them good, and I will put fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. No, the Lord didn't forget the Jews. yes. The Lord included the Gentiles, and now Jews and Gentiles are one. 
we're eternally secure because a faithful God makes us that way. And that's it. All right. The Lord's Supper celebration, let's enjoy the elements, bread and wine. The Lord gave us these things to remember him. And we'll enjoy the elements together in a few moments as we listen to the Lord's Supper song. Obeying our Lord's command, we keep on celebrating Christ regularly. We eat the bread to remember him. And we remember that he is a person. We drink the wine to remember his work on the cross. The voluntary sacrifice he made to deliver us from sovereignty to sin. We remember with gratitude what God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ have done to save us. Luke chapter 22 verses 14 to 16 say this. When the hour had come and his crucifixion was set for the next day, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles reclined with him. Luke 22:15 and 16. And Jesus said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall not eat it again until all that it means is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 22, verses 19 to 23 say this. And when Jesus had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to them and said, this is my body which is being broken for you. Keep on doing this in remembrance of me. Luke chapter 22, verse 20. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this is the cup which is poured out for you, and it is the new covenant in my blood. Luke 22, 21. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine at the table. Luke 22, 22. For indeed, the Son of Man is going back to the Father, and it has been determined but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Luke twenty-two twenty-three, And the apostles began to debate among themselves which of them it was going to be who do this. As believers in Christ, we have chosen not to betray our Lord. We know who the betrayer was. It was Judas Iscariot. Instead, we choose to obey our Lord with this celebration. Let's keep on eating this bread. Let's keep on drinking this cup. And let's do both to remember the Lord. Let this celebration encourage our hearts and our minds, filling us with awe and reverence and gratitude. Let's keep on being transformed by the Lord's life, his death, his burial, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension to God the Father, his seating at the majesty's right hand, and by the nourishment we get from his word, which feeds our soul. Well, the Lord has you right where he wants you, and maybe you feel inadequate. Maybe you don't feel like you're good enough. Maybe you think you're a disappointment to God because you make mistakes. Well, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 says this, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be made white as snow. That's the cross. Though they are red like crimson, they will be cleansed like white wool. That's what the Lord did for us at the cross. And God invites imperfect people into his loving arms. Crystal Lewis says, come just as you are.
The closing moments of our lesson today could be the ten most important minutes of your life. We want you to know that God wants you. And what God wants from you is that you make the best decision of your life. The Savior of the whole world is Jesus Christ, and he wants everyone to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say this, This is what is good and acceptable in the eyes of the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who desires for all men to be saved, and who wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Here are seven things for every unbeliever to consider when investigating a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Point one, there is a God, and he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. The first four words of the Bible confirm his existence. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning, God. It's a reference to God the Son. And the Lord isn't shy at all about telling you who he is. Joel chapter 2, verse 27 says, I am the Lord your God, and there is no other God. John chapter 1, verse 3 says, All things came into being through the Lord, God the Son, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. Point two, the Creator created you. You are one of God's creatures, and he had a purpose in mind when he created you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says this, Then God the Father said, Let us, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, make man in our own image according to our likeness. You are a spiritual being, and as such, you require a spiritual life. Point three, God has a plan for all mankind. God is organized. Acts chapter 2, verse 23 tells us that the earth and the universe were created by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God the Father. God made all his decisions in eternity past, and we watch them unfold every day. His plan is designed for your benefit. Point four, God has a personal plan for you. Because God created you and God knows you intimately, he knows you by name and he knows that you're, you, he knows you better than you know yourself. Matthew chapter 10 verse 30 says, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God custom made you and he custom made a life designed specifically for you. Point five, God reveals himself in ways that make sense to human beings. God wants you to know him. He's not hiding from you. He's not mysterious. He's not hard to get to know. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says this, Since the creation of the world, the Lord's invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his deity keep on being clearly seen by everyone. Today, Yesterday was a very rainy day throughout the country especially for football games, and they said, well, Mother Nature was angry. Mother Nature doesn't exist, but the Lord who controls the weather does exist. So his eternal power, his deity, his invisible attributes keep on being seen clearly by everyone, being understood even through what has been made as reflected in nature so that all mankind is without excuse in knowing of the existence of the Lord. The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, I, the, I, the Apostle Paul, delivered to you as of primary importance 
the gospel message revelation that I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised from the dead, the resurrection life, on the third day, according to the Old Testament scriptures. Point six, God's enemy, Satan, does not want you to get to know God. Satan does everything he can to keep you ignorant about God. Are you aware of the ways Satan is lying to you about the Lord? Well, if you reject a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll live with Satan for all eternity. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 says this. And the devil who deceived unbelievers was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and all of them will be tormented day and night forever and ever, along with all unbelievers. You would never want to live for all eternity in the lake of fire. Point seven, based on all this, you owe God a hearing. What does that mean exactly? Since God created you, at least you need to consider his salvation offer. He's placed a desire inside of you to know him. He sends this message from the outside so that you can know him. And he has you surrounded. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this. The Lord has made everything appropriate in its time. And he has also set a desire for a knowledge of eternity in everyone's heart. Do you spend any of your time getting to know the Lord? There's nothing more important for you in this life than a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, But whosoever accepts a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, to them the Lord gives the right to become children of God the Father, even to those who believe in Jesus Christ's name. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says this. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and everyone in your household who also believes you'll be saved by God. And John 3.36 offers an invitation and a warning. He who believes in the Son has eternal life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. So consider these things and then get to know the Lord today. Do it now. Well, let's close with music. If what June Murphy says in her song, God's property is true, why would we ever listen to anyone other than God?
Almighty God and Father, thank you for your mercy when we were unbelievers, providing everything we need to be saved. Thank you for your grace as believers, providing everything we need to live the Christian life. Keep us free from the lies of our enemy. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. We'll be discussing the lesson in prayer circle immediately following this. Join us live or on Zoom immediately following the lesson. Got biblical questions? Ask the pastor. Pastor at BarahMinistries.com. Keep on studying the Word of God. Thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. And thanks for listening.